to the Captain's Slog, in which me and Mark, uh, Ensign's here on the Enterprise, uh, try and watch all of the episodes of Star Trek uh, the, from the computer that is on board the uh, ship here in 10 Forward. Uh, anyway, Mark, how, how, how you been this week? Yeah, I've been good, man. Um, I'm getting into some real beef with my hairdresser. <laughs> so, okay. so, every time I go in, right... And I always ask for the same thing. I'm like, uh, give me a trim on the back and sides and then on the top. Just, I know, I know you're going to want to fuck around with it, but like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to leave it (laughs) and you're going to interpret that as whatever level of leave it you think is appropriate. Right. If it were up to me, you wouldn't touch it. But then at the same time, I'm not a hairdresser. So I don't know if what you're doing is actually more beneficial. You know how, like, when they made the the um, the Android shuffle, the iPod shuffle, um, yeah. and people complained that it didn't seem like it was truly random because it actually was truly random, but because of that and the amount of units that had been sold, every now and again people would report, I got a full album in order, because statistically that is going to happen, right? So in order to make it less random... In order to make it appear more la- random, they actually had to make it look less random. And I think that's what my hairdresser does, right? I think she goes to the effort of doing something that makes it, to my eyes, appear as if she's actually done nothing, but in some way has benefited me, right? Now, here's where the problem lies. Every time I go to... And there's there's four barbers near where I live, and three of them are terrible. But And one, she... Mate, this level of back chat, I'm not fucking happy about, right? <laughs> So she says to me, <laughs> when she does the old use the mirror to show me the back, right? She's like, and, and you'll be able to see this. So, I'll, can I talk? so she, she gets her hand and she brushes it against the back of her head so that I can see it in the mirror, like where my bald spot is. And she's like, I do my best to cover this. <laughs> right? <laughs> And at no, at, no, at no point in any of the times has she done this, have I ever given her anything approaching a, like, thanks for letting me know that. <laughs> it, it, it more of a, okay, um, but with the look on my face, like, can you, look, we're all here for, this is all 100% plausible deniability. Can you just at least pretend that I don't have a bald spot yet? Because the thing is, who does that benefit? Because if you convince me that I have a bald spot, I'm not going to come to you to make it look better. I'm just going to shave it all off. <laughs> And then that that loses you what ten quid every three weeks. Who who is this for? Are you are you you can see that it makes me uncomfortable. So are you just doing this for your own amusement? If you switch to wearing hats constantly, you don't need a haircut anymore. <laughs> just <laughs> see what you should do is be like, no, that wasn't there before. What have you done? Uh, <laughs> demand a refund. Yeah, sorry. You you seem to have you seem to have cut a bit deep. It seems that the texturizers have gone a bit bit overboard on that one part there. Could you explain yourself? <laughs> so that's been my that's uh, been my week. My, my week. I, I, I saw I saw House House of Gucci. So my week has been nice. spent uh, in just occasionally thinking back on the accents and laughing. Uh, it's overall a very good movie. But Jared Leto clearly thinks he's in an episode of What We Do in the Shadows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, this is this is what bothers me about that movie. The movie doesn't know what language it's supposed to be in. So everybody in it is speaking English, which in like your head you're like, well, in reality they're speaking Italian, but the movie's translated it for me. It's good. good She's a Milan. Yeah, it's all in all in Italy. But they've all got Italian accents. Well, except for Lady Gaga, who's doing Russian, even though she thinks she's doing an Italian accent, right? (laughs) But they've all got Italian accents. And then occasionally they'll say words in Italian. So in my head, I'm like, well, did they just say that word in English? Yeah. (laughs) Like, he says ciao. Has he said bye? And it's been translated. (laughs) But then there's also a bit where Jeremy Irons' character, like, is talking to Al Pacino's character and says the line, oh, it's... um." How do you say? And he's like, so now 
which is only a phrase you ever say when you're speaking another language. Yeah. So now I have it in my head that the, the, the Gucci's apparently had every conversation with each other in English for some reason that's never fully explained. And then there's an, there's an Iraqi character who turns up at one point, and he's speaking English, but not with an Italian accent. So is he speaking Iraqi, and they just happen to speak it? Or... <laughs> I don't. Everything I know about how people speak foreign languages in TV and movies is based on yeah. the um, the um, allo allo principle, which is if you are speaking with a German accent, I assume you are speaking German. If you are speaking with a French accent, I assume you are speaking French. That's the system I'm operating on. But that's been blown out of the water. There's no consistency, and it, it's a mind fuck of a movie as a result. Cause See, like... That would make you think, because obviously you you would expect that. Every Gucci would know only two phrases in Iraqi, which is hurry up and we are not culpable for the loss of that child's hands. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's weird that they would go the whole hog and learn the entire language. Well, you need to to file a copyright infringement law. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, so Ridley Scott hasn't been very happy recently, has he, about all the millennials? Uh, who didn't go to see his movie about rape uh, disguised as a film about knights or something because we were right. too because we were too busy on our phones <laughs> it's now on Disney Plus and uh, just to annoy you I'm going to watch it uh, in, in two and a half minute segments over the next three months on my phone <laughs> and, I'm, and, I, and every day I'm going to tweet him my uh, my feelings about the two and a half minutes that I just watched <laughs> But I'm not. I'm not going to do like two and a half minutes to the nearest scene. No, the two thirty mark every time in the middle of a fucking line. I don't get. I'm turning it off. And then I'm going to let Ridley know what I think because yeah, that's what, that's what Ridley Scott thinks the world is. Yeah, what Ridley Scott doesn't think at all is that we all saw the trailer for a medieval a movie about medieval knights starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and went, no, obviously I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> like, at what point? It, I just want to have been in the casting room. Like, just like, Ridley, Medieval Knights. We love what you're going for here. <laughs> have you considered the cast of Dogma? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Directed by Ben Affleck. I'll see that. Yeah. Are they, <laughs> I don't know. It's Ridley Scott not, not able to find any working British actors. <laughs> He's he, no, they're all they're all. That's that's why he's so angry at Marvel. That's why he's saying that superhero movies aren't real movies because he can't find any British actors because Marvel's hired them all because they're all contracted to make four Love and Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite uh-huh. anecdote about Ridley Scott. Um, I don't know if it is an anecdote. I don't really. I'm not. I, an anecdote is just a story, but I think it has to be something that happened. To, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but. My favourite thing I've ever heard about Ridley Scott is there's a documentary called The Movies, which is okay. like a yeah, it's a long form documentary. It's over like several weeks, uh, over several episodes of different decades of, of movies, and it, you, there's very little commentary. Well, there's quite a lot of commentary from Talking Heads, but the commentary is just, do you remember how good Back to the Future was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Here's That's Steven fun. Spielberg. <laughs> oh, yeah, I made Back to the Future. Yeah, my name's on it. Some people think I directed it, but I didn't. Robert Zemeckis, yeah, I directed it. Anyway, Back to the Future was good, wasn't it? Uh, well, on to Robocop. So, there's one where Ridley Scott is talking, and he's like, oh, we had this script for years, man. And it came to my production company, and I was like, this is one of the most feminine movies ever made. Uh, what an absolutely wonderful pro-woman message this has so we went out of our way to find a female director and we talked to to several of them and eventually in the end i thought you know what there's one person who knows how to make this movie in its proper voice and it's me sir ridley scott (laughs) what film was that thelma and louise I love his. So, have you have you seen the interview where somebody asked him about? Um, so, the, the Gucci's are not happy with the movie House of Gucci, and one thing that they've said is they don't like that Aldo Gucci, who's played by Al Pacino, is being portrayed by somebody who is short, fat, and ugly. And when Ridley, <laughs> and when Ridley Scott was asked about this, his response in an interview was, "It's Al Pacino." 
He's one of the greatest living actors. We should all be so fucking lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and he just stormed off. <laughs> I I think that Ridley Scott is going to be the first like person to publicly die of generational just anger. <laughs> He's going to get so frustrated at what failing fa- failing to remember that millennials are now in their forties. He's, he's, he just thinks that millennial is just a, a term for young person. And we are going event, to, eventually, we're going to see him. Someone is going to ask to take a selfie with him, and he's the, 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 the veil on his forehead is going to burst all over that person. It's, it's when they make the next sequel to Blade Runner in 30 years' time, and the person directing it mentions that they were born after the first Blade Runner came out. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gonna just keel over. I I I love that Ridley Scott is so determined that Blade Runner is popular <laughs> instead of just being what it actually is, which is very well regarded and respected. No, he thinks it's popular. <laughs> so he's like, that sequel, that that crazy expensive ultimately beautiful and wonderful sequel we made to one of the best films ever made. Now you're getting three anime series and <laughs> who is that for? I'll watch that. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that all day long. I've read and seen everything Blade Runner. Um, yeah, I, I'm fully up for it. I played I played Blade Runner the point and click adventure game. Yeah. That's like one of the best computer games I've ever I love. But yeah, it's me and no one else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I can't stay mad at Ridley Scott because that guy is keeping a franchise alive for my own amusement. <laughs> I, I like I like Blade Runner so much. I was glad that Blade Runner 2049 was a box office flop because I was like, ah, oh, excellent. Just leave it. It will bubble under, become a cult classic. And in 40 years' time, another director will come along and go, everybody liked Blade Runner, didn't they? Yeah. I legitimately, even though there are several plot threads in 2049 that are never resolved and likely now may not ever be resolved I came out and I was like don't ever make another one of those no no 40 years 40 years somebody else gets to make one where Ryan Gosling is forced contractually to act in a movie he doesn't want to be in like Harrison Ford (laughs) (laughs) alright speaking of uh, things we'd rather not be doing we, uh, we we watched another season one episode of Stargate: The Next Generation, didn't we? Star St- Stargate. <laughs> season one of Stargate's much better than season one. Of Star yeah. Um. Yeah. And I I will say this functioned like an episode of a TV show in ways that were actually quite enjoyable compared to previous episodes in season one. Yeah. I yeah. I really only have one major complaint (laughs) which is that this is a good example of so if if anyone hasn't been listening the the, uh, one of the concepts that gene roddenberry had for the star trek the next generation is that by the 24th century all interpersonal relationships would be solved no one would have any beef with each other at work so no one on the Enterprise is allowed to have any beef with anyone else. Yeah. So at one point, something happens to Captain Picard that it looks very incriminating, and Riker <laughs> immediately believes that it's definitely not Picard. I think the episode would be more interesting if we'd had a bit more mystery yeah. surrounding surrounding that aspect. But we'll get into that because yeah. uh, uh, who? I mean, shall we flip a coin to see who who gets to tell us what the plot is? Uh, rock paper scissor. All right. Because that's good for an audio. Yeah, all right, right. right. One, two, three. Three. Scissors. Scissors. Right. Uh, I'll I'll do it. Uh, Right, so... So Picard is... Oh, shit. Uh, So they're flying through space and uh, they come across a Ferengi vessel. Or a Ferengi vessel has, has... well, I think, they've they've, I think they've hailed them. Right, they've hailed like, them. Right, hey, and then, and come, then come the Ferengi are like, oh, Picard, you're a great hero in our legends. There's a battle uh, at which you displayed like quite impressive manoeuvring. Uh, and so in order to reward you for being a war hero, we have recreated the ship. Or we found the ship yeah, that you abandoned. 
that you yeah. were in charge of? I don't think he was the captain. I think he was just in charge of that shift. The, the, basically, very passively, aggressively returning litter. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so they, they give them back the ship, and, and, and in the meantime, Picard has been suffering debilitating headaches. And we're uh, going to talk about the headaches because I have so many issues with the headaches in this episode. We'll get onto the headaches, but this is this is considered to be. Uh, archaic in, in the future there, there are no headaches uh, they, they just don't exist anymore much like interpersonal relationships and so uh, or the Me Too movement uh, given that Jordy <laughs> is, is still cut, cutting a bit and so uh, it turns out guess what these two things are related um, the thing that's giving Picard headaches is a headache machine that the Ferengis have hidden in his luggage that he takes from the old ship and they are making him remember uh, the the battle that he lost the ship in with because he because he got in a fucking beef with some Ferengis who didn't identify themselves. But the Ferengi are also trying to frame Picard for war crimes. Yeah, they're saying that they did identify themselves and they've got logs that prove it. Yeah, uh, but the logs are fake. And uh, then Picard gets he go he beams onto the other ship because the headache machine is giving him thoughts. He thinks that he's in the past. He thinks that the Enterprise is uh, yet more Ferengis that aren't identifying themselves. So he's going to blow them up because uh, yeah. he's actually a bit of a genocidal maniac. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then all all things are solved. Yeah, by the end. It's, it's, it's important to note that everything isn't even solved by the people of the Enterprise. It's the other Ferengis realise that the Ferengi, the mission that they're on is not profitable and mutiny against their captain. Yeah. So so everybody on the Enterprise is functionally useless to this story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, except for Troy, uh, who, when a Ferengi appears on the view screen, she turns to Captain Picard and says, uh, I sense deception. Uh, yeah, that's right, Troy. Is this sleazy-looking Ferengi making you sense? Deception? She's not a psychic. She's not. Do you know what it is? Do you know what? Do you know what they are? Right, Beta Zeds are just an entire race of the twelve-year-old kids who think that they have magic powers, and the Federation's uh, guideline says that they have to they have to play along, basically. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't, they get really upset and cry. So just to make them feel nice, they've not done that. Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about, Mark, is this fucking headache bullshit. Yeah. Because so they t- they've been like the, the Fringies and the Enterprise have been next to each other for like three days, and the Fringies haven't been talking because they're trying to get the Stargazer, is it? The, the yeah, Picard's that's old it, ship yeah. is going to turn up. And Picard's been getting headaches, and but everybody's re- like Crusher, the Doctor. He's really weirded out by the headaches. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what those are. That's weird. They're unusual. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're aware, as, as I am on a very critical level, of how many fucking things headaches are a symptom of. Because at one point, I, I, I spent a lot of time researching the subject, and it's literally fucking everything, Mark. <laughs> There's no possible way... If you drink too much coffee, you can get a headache, right? If you stand up too quickly, you can get a headache. If you breathe too heavily, you can get... There's no way headaches have been cured in the future. Unless... It... There's also a bit in this where Beverly gives him um, gives him a like, hypo spray. And then says, oh, my headache's gone. And she's like, oh, no, it's not. Um, I've, just, I've just gotten rid of the pain, but the headache's still there. But a headache is pain. So yeah. if the pain is gone, then the headache is gone. Oh. She she says um, she says the pain is still there. It's just cloaked, and Doctor Crusher call I quote calls that medical fakery, <laughs> which in my house we call weed. The pain is still there. It's just cloaked. Uh, that's just all of my social interactions. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. the, the explainer that Crusher gives, and again, we don't want to shit on the untouchable science of Star Trek, is that she says, we've mapped the brain, therefore we know headaches th- yeah. what headaches are. But from what I understand, not all headaches come from the brain. No. Like, if, 
I mean, like on a super, yeah, on a on a philosophical level, all pain is in the brain. But that's not what we're here to fucking discuss, <laughs> Beverly. All right, I want to know what's wrong with this guy's head, because um, you don't have any you don't have any pain receptors in your brain. You can't feel when your brain hurts. If I is, is okay, if I'm living in the world of stuff, Jack, right? Yeah. And uh, like I trip over and I hit my head on the ground, right? And then I get back up and like I fractured my skull. Does that just not hurt? It's like, oh my God, I'd be in quite a lot of pain. But fortunately, we've mapped the brain. So now... <laughs> yeah, and I guess, I guess there's also that thing of... It, you, you, like, because obviously they have, like, the machines that, that can just read you, uh, the tricorders, and just tell you Im- immediately what's wrong. But yeah. they obviously had to invent that first before they invented the cure-all painkiller. Because if you go up to someone and they're like, oh my god, I'm really sore, and then you hit them with a hypo spray that takes away all pain and then say, what's wrong? They might be like, I can't remember. <laughs> and, then, and then they're wandering about for three weeks on a broken leg going, why am I slower all of a sudden? <laughs> what's this new knee that I have halfway down my shin? What's that feels pointy? What's going on there? Th- this is the thing. It's, it's the Starfleet medicine Star- is fucking bonkers, mate. Start with, yeah, Starfleet medicine doesn't it doesn't make any sense, like, like just from a like projected technology standpoint. Surely, in the future, you'd just be filled with nanites that fix anything that goes wrong with you immediately, and doctors will be unnecessary. Here's a question for you, because <laughs> um, I think about this a lot, right? So, when we invent nanites, yeah, that can go in and make you perfect, yeah, are people going to kick off? at the fact that the nanites also would presumably <laughs> fix all of the cosmetic issues that make you not beautiful. So all the nanite people would be especially beautiful. Do you think there would be people out there who were like campaigning for the rights of people to be ugly? Uh, yeah, but they'd lose that campaign because the nanite people would also have better cognitive function <laughs> and be better in a fight. Yeah, and, uh, they'd, and they'd also just be like, you know what, if I had, if I had the choice... Like I like, I'm very, I'm a very tolerant man, but if someone gave me a button that just immediately erased all uggos from the planet, <laughs> yeah, without even killing them, they just stop being ugly. Yeah, uh, no, no, it kills them. Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to press a Holocaust button that doesn't do anything. Ed. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I. I'd, I'd, I'd have to think about it but but I would have to be like can you make sure that like no one knows well one no one knows that I did this I'm not aiming to be the next Hitler um, <laughs> and two the people like who they love that they love the ugly people like are they going to just stop being aware that those people ever existed and what then what then about the people that could just lose that could maybe they just need to lose 25 pounds like me what's like, do you know what? I'm actually really turning around on this. If, if, given, if given the chance to kill all the ugly people on Earth, Eddie, I, guess what, would not do it. <laughs> Give me a medal. <laughs> I would have to go put my picture on hot or not and see what happened before I made, made a call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Had, but this is the thing, I've always assumed that in Star Trek, everybody's TV pretty because it's TV. Yeah. But maybe there was an ugliness genocide <laughs> at some point. Yeah. It's just not mentioned. <laughs> like the way the Klingon, so the Klingons, right, change between classic Trek and new Star Trek because apparently they decided to like alter their DNA to make them look harder. Yeah. Uh, and they don't like to talk about it. But maybe <laughs> maybe the human race did that. It's like we just made ourselves all look gorgeous. Don't don't tell don't t- don't tell the aliens about it. Just tell them we always look like this. <laughs> Do you think that's what World War Three was? Someone just decided <laughs> to kill all the ugly people. But the thing is, we we know that the numbers like only something like six hundred million people died. But the, the probably that is ugliness is all is obviously subjective. Yeah, and, and uh, once you get to a certain level, like it's. If you kill enough ugly people, eventually you are going to be the ugliest person. Um, yeah. And who was the person who, at the six hundred millionth mark, 
number one was like, right, you know what? I am the one who is acceptable enough to be alive. This is the new baseline. So long as you are no uglier than me, you you get to live. Everybody who was rated who was a five or higher before you started gets to live. Yeah, because that's the problem. The average is, is the, the new five. Seven would be the new five. Oh, and a bit like video games reviews. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's just... We'd never finish that genocide. So what would the point in starting it? Say say what you like about the Nazis, but their genocide had a clear end goal. Yeah, they literally... They, and the name that they gave to that thing was the name for the, the end of two things. Final and solution. <laughs> the weird thing about... Here's the thing I was They didn't call it the about. possible theory, did they? No. They fucking... They sat down... And they, they put a real underline under it, man. They, they, every time it was written was in capital letters because that was it, it, that was the last thing. But the thing about that is, right, okay, final solution. Whatever your thoughts on the actual genocide, it's good branding. <laughs> Sorry, let's go back to it. <laughs> Whatever your thoughts on the actual genocide of World War Two. All right, can keep going. you got to admit that final solution is good branding. But it's also branding that was only ever being used in, like, documents that high-level Nazis were going to see. It's like how, you know, when in, like you're in the Batcave, like Batman's looking at a computer screen yeah. and like it's got a tracking thing on it and the tracking thing is the bat logo Yeah, it's like it doesn't need to be a bat logo that could just be a dot you're literally the only person who's ever going to see this Bruce <laughs> this, just admit you like bats right <laughs> <laughs> it's all a ruse so <clears throat> Picard's in there right and uh, yeah. he's talking to Crusher about his headaches uh, and then uh, he uh, gets another one a bit of a cluster headache and then Troy pops in to say that she felt something uh, immediately after Picard grabbed his head in pain. So yet again, Troy showing her usefulness. <laughs> Picard, are you grabbing your head there? Oh, I feel like there's something there. Yeah, there's something. De- the- there's something definitely wrong here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I also I, I, can we do. I also want to discuss because this this is the first episode we've watched. You know, I said on the, I said on a previous episode that the the way warp works is really cool. But in Star Trek, they just use it to mean they're going fast. Yeah. But this is the first and only time I think ever that they've actually understood the science of warp. Because there's a thing called the Picard Maneuver, which is you go into warp and you stop immediately next to the ship nearby. So it's a really short bit of warp so that your ship looks like it's in two places at once and they don't know which one to shoot. And then you just unload all your weapons and blow them up. That's actually how warp should work. Yeah, but it's also the only time I think it's ever addressed as having worked. Yeah, it's. But also, other thing: if it's in two places at once, and it was in one, and now it's in the other one, it's probably in the other one, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, where it was is not where it's going to be. Yeah, there's no way of doing that unless you do the Picard maneuver twice, backwards and forwards. That'd be fucking. That'd be something. That'd be a double Picard. <laughs> Do you with warp? Do you have to turn the ship around? So right, okay. Hear me out on this. Warp is like it's you hopping through space, like you you warping space time and doing. Yeah. It. If I'm facing forwards and I go to warp ten, do I have to go forwards at like warp nine, or can I just go in any direction? Or is the engine set up to like point you in a specific direction? Uh, I guess it just looks that way. Yeah. But also. I want to. I want somebody to because they the do tra- they, they travel at warp speed. <laughs> yeah. So and and if the engines are on the back, yeah. then you're going to be. I don't know, Ed. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Anybody listening to this understands the physics of the made-up warp engine? Please let us know. Yeah. Please uh, do. <laughs> There's nothing I love discussing more than a thing I know sort of something about. Um, <laughs> so. I uh, oh I, yeah so we we actually get quite a lot of um get quite quite a lot of science stuff in this and my favourite bit is when uh I can't remember actually what it is but Commander Riker is talking to Data and Jordy after like quite far into the episode and uh, Jordy says uh, oh sorry Riker says to Data you have something on the scans uh what is it. 
and data almost in like a Leslie Nielsen style way is like, well, it's a thing that scans. So, <laughs> um, but he sort of, he sort of goes into like, well, we've been looking at the the B wave and the Y wave and this wave and this wave and blah blah blah, and and Riker's like, data, fuck, bottom line. Um, and I I don't I'm not really on board with that uh, because I think that uh, the the crew is constantly acting like data needs to learn to communicate with them, but they don't seem to be bothered about learning how to communicate with data. Yeah, like he has. He, there are obviously ways to ask him questions to get the thing that you want because he eventually will figure that out. So yeah. why not just fucking learn how to speak to him, Riker, you yeah. dick? Don't, don't ever go with data because you don't know to say to data. Data, at your best estimate, what is that item that you have scanned? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, data, if you had to like put all those things together, what is the conclusion that you have reached? <laughs> in a, in a, in a, explain to me like I'm 12. Give me that. Because he, because um, like, does Riker just like, like, because later on there's like a bit about um, uh, tractor beam inertia. Yeah. Uh, where Picard is like, well, we if if something if we pulled something with a tractor beam and turn the tractor beam off, it'll just move at the same speed that it was before yeah. because that's tractor beam inertia will. And Riker's like, yeah, no, I get it. And I was like. Does, do, do you think? Do, <laughs> yeah, did Riker just sleep through the lecture on tractor beam inertia, but then asked the lecturer bottom line, prof? <laughs> they, they do mention that they mention that it's like, did you? Like, I think he says, "Oh, did you skip that course at the academy, Will, or something like that?" And it goes, "But this, how is it a course at the academy? When what it works out as is, if you pull a thing right and then you stop pulling it, it'll keep going because it's in space." Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's apparently an eight-week course at the academy. <laughs> you put that one down if you need to fill out all your credits. <laughs> it's the one that the, uh, the, uh, the the football team from Starfleet Academy all put down. That and they're all taking Swahili. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the the headaches. Uh, let's get into the cause of the headaches because let, let, we'll, ju- we'll just jump all over the place. Because if you haven't seen the episode. I don't think us fucking spoiling it is gonna, yeah, really bother you, is it? Oh, one thing I want to mention about the Ferengi before we get on is at one point Riker tries to talk to one of the Ferengis, and the Ferengi says, "I'm all ears," uh, and that's the the I want to put in that it was the first well executed genuine full joke in Star Trek: The Next yeah. Generation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's got like a he's got like an orb. The like at first you don't know where the headaches are coming from, and then the Ferengi's got like an orb. That he like pulses and it causes Picard to have headaches and hallucinate about the past, mm-hmm. and then it gets worse because. Okay, I need to discuss that Picard fell for something. So right, right, Mark. These people turned up with an empty vessel, yep. right, as a gift for Picard. Yeah, he went on board that vessel, took his chest of possessions back with him, and then put it in his room. Yeah, right. He has literally fallen for the Trojan horse gambit. <laughs> a military strategy that the human race has known about for literally the entire time that the human race has known about things. <laughs> this it reminds me of like so I was reading um, there's a there's a great book I read once called um, yeah. uh, uh, Guns, Germs and Steel. Yeah. And it's all about how different areas develop differently because of the resources and stuff like that. And there's a whole bit about how badly the Spanish fucked over the Aztec people. Yeah. Uh, like the Mayans and stuff like that. And basically, they turned up, they killed a bunch of people, and then they sent an envoy to like the leader of the um, Aztecs and were like, oh, we're sorry, that was like a misunderstanding. But if you want to come and have a sit-down chat about it, you know, just you and a few of you guys on your own in an empty space where there's no one around, we can have a talk. <laughs> right, but the thing is that the Aztecs hadn't invented like easily like written books and stuff that you could try to put. So they had no ability to know like from reading a couple of stories in their life that this was obviously a fucking trap. So they just turned up <laughs> yeah. and the Spanish massacred them. That's what Picard did here. This is like the actions of a man who has never read a single book or heard a story. Or heard of the concept of bad guys. Right? Well, I mean, the the reason that uh, that he fell for it and Riker didn't is that the Trojan horse story is what they replaced Sun Tzu with at the academy. 
Um, yeah, it's it's baffling, and and it, as well, um, there is kind of a very briefly mentioned uh, kind of excuse for this, where Picard's like, and I think it might even be Crusher is like, oh, we've sent people there to check it out, and they'll yeah. be back to let you know, and it's half the fucking bridge crew. It's like Jordy and and Riker and Worf and Tasha. They could I mean they're, they're, that could that kind of, like, are it, if I was to give if I was to gift an empty spacecraft to someone that <laughs> I, I want to kill, the least yeah. I'm going to do is fill it with gas. Right. It, so if I was if this was Kirk, it yeah. would have just beamed over twenty red shirts. <laughs> do you not have any lower deckers that you can send? Like any ensigns, they are replaceable. Infinitely replaceable. Yeah. If we know anything from Star Trek. Exactly. Oh, the, the, this, <laughs> the, okay, I've got another question that was raised by this episode. Um, Picard gets like a hypo spray at one point from yeah. Crusher. Like she's going to help him sleep. And then he goes to bed in his uniform. Oh, put shoes on. <laughs> um, and, I am, and then is, is so quickly asleep that Crusher is able to spirit glue some like readers <laughs> Like vital readers onto his onto his forehead. Um, I when I saw that I wrote down. I bet the drugs in Starfleet are incredible. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Obviously they had like they had to invent synthahol, slightly not as potent alcohol for a reason. And I bet it was because in like the twenty second century, drugs were getting really out of hand. <laughs> and. No one was interested in space exploration because they were like, "Why should I do it, man? I can do that from right here with this little hypo spray." I'm on Alpha Centauri. Oh, <laughs> look at me! This is fucking mad. And because it's future medicine, there's no, there's no downsides to this. There's no hangovers because <laughs> then we just take the pain cloaking thing for the headache the next day. And then I'm going to go into the the room in my house that I keep specifically for holographic wanks. <laughs> When when she said that the, the brain had been mapped, that wasn't actually done by a scientist. Somebody in the year like twenty twenty thirty eight just takes hyper acid and gets a, gets a, gets a fucking whiteboard, and by the end of it, they're just like, "That's the brain," and it just turned out they were right. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite monkey theorem. Uh, oh. Um. So this uh, so this machine, this fucking headache machine, um. Or, or as or as we call it in my house, uh, a wife, <laughs> lads, lads, lads. Um, so the Ferengi headache machine. Uh, I, my favourite thing in the whole show because I kind of I I vaguely remember having seen this episode before. Yeah. And I remember that the thing is has been included. It's in Picard's trunk. So Picard, after the rest of the bridge staff, the very important staff members on the Enterprise are like. This obvious trap is safe for you to come aboard. Um, he then is like, oh, well, isn't this wonderful? Uh, that's where Vigo used to sit. And I'm going to go to my quarters and go and get some of my stuff. So he sits down in his quarters and he has like a like a lock box, like a sort of big, long trunk. And he's going through it and he's like, oh, good. There's oh, there's my books. Yep, mate, yep, Les Miserables. Yep, three musketeers still got them. Fantastic. Oh, good. Here's some spare clothes. Uh, those will come in handy. I might have put in a little bit of weight, but hey, maybe somebody will be able to alter them. Oh, good. Here's my giant headache orb, <laughs> uh, which he doesn't seem to notice. Which raises, which I think, uh, raises uh, two possibilities. Um, either the giant headache machine uh, is basically invisible to the person who is being affected by the headache machine so therefore they are unable to perceive it um or he already had that <laughs> <laughs> and the Ferengi are just exploiting that fact <laughs> by the way mark as well that the headache machine does finally give us um an answer to what is wolf's job um because it's established later on in the episode they're talking about like oh when we moved the captain stuff over did you bring like anything over Worf for his like room and Worf's like yeah I carried over a fairly heavy chest <laughs> yeah. that's it that's Worf's job is to carry things back and forth 
I, 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 so the also hit- only, I, also only one of two bridge officers who are people of colour. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just carry that wolf. Picard has to stop himself from calling him boy. Yeah, data <laughs> doesn't count just, just because he he, oh. he he looks like a different race. He's he's so, that's white face. Something I noticed in this episode because yeah. and it's I think it's been bothering me for most of this, and I've not clocked it. Like you know when something's bubbling under the surface is weird, and you can't work out what it is. Because why does everybody refer to Picard constantly when they're like having conversations when he's not in the room? He's always the captain, and then they're like they realize something's wrong with the captain, and like Crash is like, oh, we need to tell Will, like. He's got a rank as well. At least yeah. Riker. Why not the first officer? Um, I, <laughs> I guess because the the first officer like is the chief of staff, so he is he is the personnel boss more than Picard does. The personnel does what Picard wants. Yeah. But Riker is the one. So ultimately, a first officer kind of has to be a bit more approachable and friendly. It's like in the West Wing that you get the president, and then there's just Leo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. That's okay. In which case, that's a fine explanation. I'm fully on board with it. Um, <laughs> at one point, though, Doctor Crusher calls Riker number one, like in front of Picard. She's she comes in and she says, "Oh, number one, I need you to go and do this." And then she's shocked that Picard is there, and it's like, the, but the thing he's he's not your number one. That's not what that designation is. <laughs> that's not his title. That's what Picard calls him. Yeah, Picard calls him because he's number one in his heart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like how Picard should call Wesley son, but doesn't. Wesley's the saviour of the day in this episode as well, because he's the only person who, like, we walk in and sees the brain scans of Picard, and he's like, oh, those match exactly the low-level frequency we've been picking up from the Ferengi ship. Do yeah. you think that might be important? <laughs> and then, and then, I... I, I he, He's a, everything, everything that Wesley Crusher has done so far in this series has been overwhelmingly helpful. The only, obviously, apart from uh, getting sentenced to death and barred from the fuck planet, which explains why Riker doesn't like him. <laughs> but <laughs> why Troy and his mom? Why are yeah. they pissed off at him? Yeah, like they still won't even say thank you, and like Wesley's they don't like, thank him. And yeah, like, Laura was adults. like that. Not even a thank you for Wesley. <laughs> I, I point out. I, like, I know we've been calling it a headache machine, but apparently, it's, it's the, the Ferengis call it a fort maker, and apparently, it's illegal because like they, they say this guy's like spent his entire life, all of the profits he's made over his lifetime was spent on this. Basically, the, 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 the end of the episode is it turns out the Battle of Maxia, where Picard blew up the Ferengi ship. The Ferengi. Who's like? Is it Damon Bock? Is mm-hmm. the like lead Ferengi? Yeah, it was his son was on board the ship, so he's after revenge. And then the, at the end, the Ferengi's are like, "Well, this was revenge isn't a profitable venture, so we'll uh, kick you out of being captain." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that the, the, the what's it called the Thought Maker. Yeah, I hope that because obviously um, uh, Bock was like he didn't have like a view screen or anything. He he was sitting there twisting it and making Picard's headache get worse, but all he could see was almost like a like a fancy oscilloscope yeah. reading. So I like to think that the thought maker, like, how did he know what thoughts were being put into Picard's head? Other than here's here's a here's a wild theory: uh, the thought maker only all of the thought makers in existence only do that one specific job of <laughs> making you. Uh, remember Captain Picard's <laughs> performance at the Battle of Maxia, right? And ninety nine point nine percent of people that it's used on are like, "Well, this isn't working. This is this just makes me think I'm coming up with a story that's interesting." And then <laughs> this guy finally, finally gets to use it on John Luke Picard, and he's like, "Oh, this is really going to get to him because he's not going to know what the fuck is happening here." Um, so kudos to that guy for finally yeah. figuring out how to use that thing properly. Yeah, he's also he's also framing him. And like you said, it's the thing of like they get a recording where Picard's like, and it's a, like a log from the ship, and it's like Picard going, "Oh, everything I said about the Battle of Maxia, that's not true. Uh, instead, uh, I committed a horrible war crime, and I'm just recording it on this log here, which I assume, although he's left it on board the ship, Picard's actual plan was to break this recording up into several parts and spread them about the level." Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, and then, sorry, go ahead. And, 
well, because then they look at it and like Riker's like, well, it's obviously a fake, and then they call up like Data, and Data comes in, and the Data comes in later, and he says, oh, I've analysed the two recordings, like the original logs, and this new one, and one of them is fake, and Geordie's like, yes, the new one, obviously, and Data's like, that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just calm down. And I, I don't understand why you're constantly trying to defend Picard. He's an arsehole. They've known him for... At this point. Eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> He's never even had any one-on-one time with Geordie. Like, I don't know why Geordie's so invested in fucking... He's just your boss. It's yeah. <laughs> I w- well, let me ask you a question. You've had jobs. Yeah. If you were told that your boss had falsified documents and was a liar, would you would you believe that was true? Every single one, every single yeah, one yeah. of them, All, yeah, yeah, has definitely yeah. committed war crimes. <laughs> if you were, if you managed, you know to what? Get See, below, even if they haven't, I'll just say that they did. If you've managed to get above the bottom tier in capitalism, you are inherently evil. One hundred percent. You are correct. Uh, um, so the, the 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 Damon Box plan is. To so they've brought they've they've brought the Trojan horse the SS Trojan horse, <laughs> and the their plan is to get Picard to think that he's still there, beam over, and then recreate the Picard movement from the Battle of Maxia that brought him down in the first place, right? But and yeah. so that he will then destroy the Enterprise. Um, the Ferenc so Damon Bock done i think something that's overlooked uh an incredible job of making one ship of making a whole ship pilotable by one guy who's having a hallucination yeah that's impressive that's the thing that picard doesn't want to get back to starfleet command because if they're like oh hold on a minute here if we don't even need to get this many people to pilot a ship, there's no fucking way we're bothering with that. You can go out there by yourself. Data. Say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the rest of us will stay home at Planet Fuck. Yeah, because it should be noted, like, when Picard's over there, he's giving orders to the hallucinations that he's got. Yeah. But they've just made all of the, like, systems work off of voice. Which is, again, another thing the, like, early away team didn't bother checking out. Like, oh, there's been modifications done to these systems. It looks like somebody's setting it up to blow up the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> right, this guy's entire plan could have been improved. if it's You know the headache machine yeah. inside the, the chest? If instead of that, he just put, like, a photon torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they could just explode from a distance. <laughs> Cause yeah, exactly. Because surely, surely the captain's quarters are in quite an important part of the ship. It's next to the bridge, I would assume. Yeah, you're gonna at least wipe out the entire. Because because here's what I don't get is like so Picard recre- would recreate the Battle of Maxia, but he's also been framed. Because so what's the end goal here? Do you want Picard to go to Federation prison for life, or do you want him to blow up his own ship and then go to prison? Because the, if he does the Picard maneuver successfully and blows up the Enterprise, then he's definitely going to prison for life. Plus, he's been framed. He's going to prison for life. But now you've just killed everybody else on the Enterprise against whom you have no gripe. That's why there's no profit <laughs> in it, Eddie. <laughs> uh, um, one thing I did like in this episode, I really liked. Uh, the Ferengi's um, transporter beam looks different. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's like all swirly. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I just I like the fact that they've got a different version. It's like that they haven't got the same technology. They've got a different version different way of doing it so it looks different i like that i think that's interesting yeah that's what you would have because yeah. when it comes down to it a lot of science fiction shit is complete it's just flourish <laughs> yeah. including uh so the stargazer the reason that they had to abandon the stargazer is because it was on fire now here's the thing what part of what the fuck a starship is made out of is flammable ex- exactly is it the carpets? Like, do you not... In a, in a world where you have literally cured headaches, can you not make a safe asbestos? Do you, do you, do you want to know the, the worst thing about that, Mark? Is Do you know what's really, really good at putting out fires? Space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, space. Yeah. <laughs> Just get 
everybody in one room, open all the doors, except for that one, they close them all again. I've played, if, I don't know if you've ever played FTL, but this is how you deal with fires in FTL. You literally like, go, right, everybody reports to this room that's the only room that's not on fire. I'm going to open all of the airlocks. That's how they <laughs> sorted the fire on the real Trojan horse. <laughs> oh. I've got to say, though, I did enjoy this episode overall. Like, it's... Yeah. it's it, it wasn't, like, a good... So, right, I don't think it's a good Star Trek episode in, like, they didn't ask any big questions, but it gave us some more information on, like, the history of the characters, the yeah. interesting things they did. Like, it's a nice little one of those ones where it's like... You know, like, um, when Picard gets turned into a, a Borg? Like, spoilers for anybody who just doesn't... hasn't isn't aware of like what was possibly one of the biggest events in television of the 90s yeah (laughs) but it's like when all that happens it's like that's not really asking interesting questions it's just a fun action-packed star trek episode and this was kind of that uh it was a bad guy he's trying to do a bad thing didn't work yeah uh starfleet prevailed by playing by the book yeah, well, they they just told Picard. They talked Picard out of listening to is the. There was a point in this where he tells people he's hearing voices in his head, and at that point, even then, like the, the circumstances under which the Doctor can relieve the Captain of Command need to be fucking tightened up in Starfleet. <laughs> like, I hope someone. I hope it like crushes sending a report back to Starfleet, going, "This is the fourth week where if I would have been allowed to remove the Captain from Command, people wouldn't have died." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that was fun. What's what's next? I don't know what. The, I mean, I, I might have noted it down. Oh, next ep- oh, the next episode, Mark. I've not looked at the synopsis, but it's called Hide and Q. Oh, great! I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. Q episodes are always good. Yeah. So that'll Agreed. be fun. Yeah. We, it, yeah. There's, there's the thing about this is it, it's one of those weird Star Trek episodes where there's not actually that much to talk about in it. It's just a fun, functional. Nothing weird or mental happens. It's just we just got a headache machine. Yeah, which is pretty. Exciting. And the fact that apparently they don't have headaches in the future. Yeah, which I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna as we work our way through all of Star Trek, I am gonna bring up every single time a character has a fucking headache. Let's crush it to fix us. Yeah, because yeah. I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty certain it happens to Cisco in Deep Space Nine about seventeen times. Usually when he's been communicated with by those space aliens that live in the wormhole. Yeah, Deep Space Nine's weird. But can't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. I hope you liked it. Bye. Uh, bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and now on YouTube at Captain's Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.